podcast. I am your host, Lisa Kay, here with my amazing co-host, Jen Conkey. Hi, everyone. Welcome. And we have an amazing guest for you today. We have been waiting to have him on our show for months and months and months. So we are super excited to introduce you to Manny Lopez, who actually needs no introduction. You guys probably already know him. Um, Super excited for Manny to share some wisdom with us today and really provide some knowledge bombs for for all of our listeners today. So Manny, with that, we're going to kick it over to you um, to introduce to our listeners. So Manny, take it away. All right. Well, uh, welcome, guys. My name is Manny. Uh, I really want to focus on fixing the foster care system. That's a big, big issue for me. Uh, For the last couple of years, I've been building this idea called From Orphan to CEO, and it really just ties in everything I do in one program. So super excited to share with you guys how that all works and how the whole ecosystem uh, plays into this idea of fixing the foster care system. That's awesome. So Manny, I, I, I met Manny guys back in like, uh, it was, it was December of 2018, I think 2018. I went to one of his Cervex events. So I was really floored when I went to this event because my friend, her name's Carrie, she's actually already been on the show with us. Carrie Campbell invited me and she's like, you've got to meet this guy. He's doing really amazing things for kids, for foster kids. And she knows that I have a passion for kids that grew up with a really rough upbringing. Hello. And so I was passionate about it and I decided to go and I took the twins with me. Right. And so when I get there, I meet the twin, the twins meet uh, Manny's son and he's over there and he's just like, you know, a mover and a shaker. He's got his own little Instagram and he's sitting on the red carpet. He's like, Hey, and I'm like, how in the hell does he do this? And I found out that he pays his kids to read leadership books. And I was like, that's brilliant. Like, Manny, walk us through your story. Like what's your history mm-hmm. and what made you so passionate about the, the development of kids in America. Sure. Now, just an FYI, the idea of paying my kids to read success books came from Caleb Maddox, right? I actually okay. Caleb Maddox at an event called Secret Knock where he shared that concept. And I was like, what? Why am I paying my kids to do chores? Because that is going to turn them into, you know, a janitor or a maid in a sense, because if you're going to incentivize them to clean, Maybe that's what they'll just end up doing. But if you incentivize them to learn about success, well, that's what they'll end up doing. So a big passion for me for kids came because, you know, I found out a really alarming statistic that two out of three of the kids that are aging out of foster care are ending up dead, homeless, or in jail within just one year. And now I come from the foster care system. At 18 months, I was left in a car with nothing but a diaper on, me and my sister, she's about 11 months older than me. And shortly after that experience, we get put into foster care where we are bounced around home to home to home. Um, they tell us that we had seven different families that tried to adopt us and had all returned us because we were just, we weren't really treated like children in our foster homes. So to try and go into a home where we're shown love It just didn't compute to us because we'd suffered everything from malnutrition, abuse, neglect, and even torture. I still have a scar on my chest from being held down at a toddler's age and being burnt with a lit cigarette because I'm throwing a tantrum. And these kids are still going through this stuff today. And this is why I'm so passionate about it because there's no way that two out of three of these kids are ending up dead, homeless, or in jail because of great foster care. That's not happening. Right. They're ending up these in these situations because of the trauma they're dealing with and not knowing how to deal with that trauma. Right. I'm looking at my situation in my family where I'm on the other side of this. My sister, unfortunately, is not. I can't be her mentor. I can't be her coach. I can't be her consultant. I'm the younger brother who cannot tell the older sister what to do to get herself out of that. Somebody else has to help her and save her. But what I found is mentorship, entrepreneurship, and faith. If you have those three things, you're going to win as long as you stay consistent on finding a mentor who is at the place you want to be. You use entrepreneurship as your vehicle to build your own dream instead of waiting for permission to build somebody else's. And then you have faith that there's always a higher power looking for your best interest. So knowing that the things that you're going through, whether they're positive or negative, or for a reason, right? I have so many times I've looked back at situations where I'm like, man, 
how could I have gone through that? That's so sucky, da, 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 man. That's, I wish that never happened. If I could go back, I'd erase that. And yet two or three years later, I come to find out I needed to go through that in order for me to push through what I'm going to be going through today. And that right there has been something that I have to bring to the world in some capacity. And this is where you got to start. You got to start in the younger generations, the generations that are going to be the future of our entire planet. How are we going to leave our planet to people that are lost, right? What, what's going to happen? We're going to be ending up in a complete chaos. And the thing that these kids don't realize, it's not about becoming famous on Instagram or TikTok and all that stuff. You utilize these mediums to share your story, to share your ideas, to share your thoughts, to share what you like and what you don't like and build a community around your brand. I could go on and on for, for hours on these tangents, but the biggest thing for me is that we, we got to fix the generation right now that's completely lost. And they think that the culture that we've been showing them on TV, on the radio is reality when it's completely the opposite. Yeah. That's, okay. So Manny, how did you get started? You talked about mentorship, entrepreneurship, and faith. So yes. mentorship, I, I know your story. I know, I know who you aspired to. I, I know who you wanted to meet. I know all that, but share with our audience, like who got you started? Who was it that inspired you that you just really wanted to meet and what got it all rolling for you? So at about, let's see, this was in 2007. I had just had my first son. I'm 19 years old and I just turned 20 and I'm like, all right, I've got to start getting serious. I've got a family to support. I've wanted this family since, since, I met this woman in high school and I knew this was going to be my queen forever. And so I knew I had to do something different. I can't just keep hopping around to these little sales jobs. So I go start, I, forget, I can't remember exactly how I found this place, whether it was online or flipping through penny savers or something, but I found this company that said that they're just up and coming company and there's management positions available and there's growth and all this stuff. And I'm like, that's where I'm going to go. I'm going to go with an up and coming company. I'm going to start at that, that corporate ladder and build my way up. And maybe I'll become a manager of this company someday or vice president or something. Right. And I go join this, uh, or I'm sitting in the, uh, interview process and they asked me, you know, what is your goal here? What do you want to do? And I was like, well, I want your job. I, I want to sit where you're sitting. I want to be where I'm leading other people right? I know I can do it. I just need the opportunity. Everywhere I go, I'm a top salesperson. I can teach that to other people, make your company duplicatable and, and bigger, right? And he goes, okay, okay, cool. Well, there's a process that you got to go through to become, you know, a manager. You got to get number one on the board and you got to, you know, every one of our managers are number one and, you know, there's a process. I was like, okay, cool. Just let me know what that process is. I'll follow it. And I leave that meeting I get hired. They tell me, oh, next week you're going to have to start training, blah, blah, blah. I walk out the meeting and this guy named Gail stops me. And he's like, hey, Manny, right? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, hey, my name is Gail. Um, I overheard your conversation in there and you're wanting to become a manager and all this stuff and, you, and your goals and I can help you get there. And I was like, why, right? And, and then he goes and points this over. You see that guy over there? He's a manager. He was on my team. Right, that guy over there, he's a manager, he's on my team. I, I can see you're hungry. There's something about you. There's something different. And I want to bring you on my team. I want to train you. I want to mentor you. I had no idea what the word mentor was. I was like, I'm married, bro. So like I don't know what that is. I'm good. I'm straight, right? And he's like, no. Uh mentor, like, I'm gonna teach you. I'm gonna you I teach people how to become managers. I was like, Oh, that's pretty cool. Well, yeah, man. Tell me what I need to do. Right. And he just lays it out. Like you gotta be the first one here. You gotta be the last one. You gotta serve your way to success. You gotta be too blessed to be stressed. You gotta not let anybody put you down. You gotta like, he just kept pouring all this stuff into me that I needed to do. And then he heard my story and he goes, you know what? You should listen to this guy by the name of Les Brown. He's an orphan just like you, right? He, he was in foster care just like you. He's been met, labeled mentally challenged just like you. He's labeled all this stuff just like you. But check this out. He goes on YouTube and he shows me this video. Look, he's speaking in front of 80,000 people, hearing him inspire people about his story, about what he's doing. I'm like, what? Dude, someone like me did that? No way. 
if he can do it, I can do it, right? That got me to get really excited about building my own dream. And what I thought my dream was going to be was within that company. Two years into it, that never came. I even got slapped in the face one time, not physically, but uh, um, where I was number one at the time for eight months in a row, right? Nobody had touched any of my numbers. And they told us every morning, number one on the board, that's who we're picking as a manager. So if you want to be a manager, you got to be number one. We got manager positions coming up this year. You better be ready. And I'm like, well, then I'm making sure nobody has a chance. I am going to be, it's my year, right? It was, I was really excited, right? And then uh, August comes, I'm eight months in a row and they go, all right, there's a manager position that's opened up. And I'm like, oh, great. And they go through all the little interview process, but everyone's telling me, man, you know, make sure when you get your thing, I'm going to be on your team. Da, 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 da. Like I already had people going with cameras, not cameras, like little voice recorders. Remember those little voice recorders yep. where you actually have to press buttons on them to record. I had those sitting on my desk, listening to me while I'm on calls with people I mean, people wanted to learn from what I was doing. And I'm like, this is the perfect opportunity, right? So they bring all everybody together and they have this, this meeting and they're like, man, we just couldn't decide. We have to get two managers. I was like, oh, dope. I got a manager friend. Who am I going to be managing with, right? They named the first one. He's number 12 on the board. I was like, whoa, they didn't even pick from the top 10. I thought I had to be number one, right? Then they go to the second person, number 19 on board. I was like, what? What happened, right? And then my jaw was just dropped. And then Gail, he pulls me aside shortly after everyone was coming to me and telling me, oh, man, I'm sorry, I don't know what happened. That was crazy, what happened? And I'm just like, I don't know, right? And Gail pulls me aside and he tells me something that just changes my life. He goes, Manny, it's time to stop building someone else's dream. It's time to build your own. I was like, whoa, what do you mean? I could be the CEO? Like how? Like, what are you talking? He's like, it's a decision, Manny. It's a decision. You decide what you want to bring to the world. You make sure that that's valuable. You're solving a problem and go out there and do it. It's yours. You name it. You create it. You can go build it, right? And that decision, that conversation led to two years of a journey of looking and understanding and being a sponge for knowledge on what I could do because I knew what I didn't want to do. I didn't want to be in the same industry that I was just in, that I just left. Because at that, after that conversation, I couldn't see myself continuing on building someone else's dream. I thought it is possible. I could be the CEO. I don't have to wait for somebody to give me permission to build theirs. And that's where everything changed. Within two years from that point, I had those two years spent working with all kinds of different companies to try and figure out what is it that they're doing and they're B2B. That was a big thing. I wanted to go from B2C, which is business to consumer, nine to five employees that I'm talking to every day, to business owners. I'm like, I'm gonna solve something to the business community. I don't know what yet, I have no idea what I'm doing. This is day one, but I'm gonna do something B2B because everybody else that was leaving that company was just going to start the same thing they're doing. I'm like, that's not me. I'm not the type to go follow. I want to do something different. And so two years later, I discovered lead generation and automation marketing. Those were the two things I developed a skill in and that I could teach other people how to do, especially business owners that had no clue what online marketing was. And funny thing is, I thought I was going to start a SEO company. You guys familiar with SEO, search engine optimization? You guys are watching right now. It's where people get people on the front page of Google, right? You search for some plumber in Irvine and bam, you got 20 companies on the front page. That's SEO because nobody goes to the second page. Let's all be honest here. So I thought I'm going to get into SEO because the funny thing, my, uh, one of my, was it my mentor? Somebody, I got in the wind of this and said, if you want to figure out what industries are booming, go to Craigslist and see who's hiring. Right. And I was like, okay. So I went to Craigslist and saw SEO, like hiring for everything. And I was like, what is this SEO? Right. I had no idea what it was. And then I found that there was a company probably about 20 minutes from me that, uh, that was an Inc 500 company in SEO. And I was like, shoot, well, we'll learn from the best. Why not? Right. So I literally went to work there to learn the process to see how I could start my own SEO company. And while I was working there, I actually developed a lead scraping software 
where I could just type in, say, plumber in Irvine, and it would pull up every single plumber that was promoting themselves on Google, Yahoo, Merchant Circle, if you remember that, and Yellow Pages, right, all online. And I could pull this data and turn it into an Excel spreadsheet. And then these companies would be working on what's called dialers, right? So they can upload the data. And then, uh, long story short, I end up selling my leads to this company, Inc. 500 company. And then they start coming to me for idea advice. And they go and tell me, hey, Manny, look at this company called Facebook, right? <laughs> I, I wasn't even on it yet. I had no, I wasn't, no profile, nothing. Um, the last time I heard about Facebook is when I had sat down with my cousin who was a few years older than me back when we were editing our MySpace pages. And she was like, MySpace is for losers. I'm on Facebook now. And I was like, what's Facebook? And I was like, Facebook's for adults. You guys are kids. And I was like, whatever, you oldie. So I was like, all right, I'm staying on Facebook, right? And then 10, 2010, right, I get this uh, contact vice president of the company I'm working at that's buying my leads. He goes, Manny, check out Facebook. You're this weird idea guy. You could probably come up with something cool. We want to do something with Facebook. Check it out. See what we can do there. And at that time, Facebook and MySpace were still kind of competing for market share. And it was, uh, what I had saw on Facebook was a blank canvas. I saw MySpace being completely convoluted with all the editing capabilities, right? You go to someone's page and there's a 10 minutes to load because they had a song you couldn't turn off, right? Or I had all kinds of glitter that fell on the screen. Facebook didn't have that, right? Facebook was completely barren and you had no customization that you could do. But then I found a way to create what's called an iframe. I know I'm probably just going over here, but this stuff is really exciting for me, guys. Let me know if I'm going too like weird and over the top here. But uh, okay, so I, we created a technology that took what's called an iframe. Just think of it like, um, let me see how I can explain this. Uh, let me see. All right, here I'll with this. Let's take this beautiful picture of my children here, okay? So let's say every, these little lines right here, let's say this was Facebook, right? And then inside this, this little window here, this picture is what's called an iframe, okay? So what we were able to do is when people would go to a Facebook page, I could take them to this little window iframe where we put a whole website together right on Facebook. You got all that full customization, you got stuff moving on the screen, but it didn't slow you down, right? It was really cool technology that just gave it that nice little color that it needed, branding behind what Facebook was lacking, right? Because you just go to a page and you see the newsfeed. It could be in them posting a picture of them eating a sandwich. I mean, you don't want that as your first impression. So we want to have a good first impression. Then we created what's called a like booster where somebody land on the page and then before they could get access to the page, they'd have to like the page to be able to see our, what we call a Facebook website or a Facebook sales funnel, just depending on what year was we're promoting it. And it was really interesting within two years of me launching this idea, we had named, I got named one of the best by Facebook when they hit a million advertisers. They hit me up on face, on my email and they're like, Manny, we've identified your business as one of the best. We wanna hear your story. We wanna get you to share your strategies with our million advertisers on Facebook. And now that scared me, right? And here's the reason why. The first month I started my business, August 1st, my son's two year birthday, 2011, I made a promise to my wife because we had just become homeless. And within a couple of weeks of me fixing this homeless situation where we got kicked out on the street and we had to go move into this little Mexican family's home that they converted their garage into a one bedroom, right? And I started my business in this garage in a sense. And I made a couple of promises to my wife. I told her, Babe, by the time I'm 30, and I was 24 at the time, by the time I'm 30, six years, it's going to be a long build out. But by the time I'm 30, we're going to have our daughter, because we only had our two boys at the time. We're going to live in Lake Elsinore in a two-story home. We're going to have a successful business, and we're never going to be homeless again. Well, my friends, I am 32 years old right now. By the time I was 30, 
I was in that two-story home that I'm in today in Lake Elsinore. I have a daughter. They would say my business is successful. It's done some risk management analysis over seven figures. I'm very happy with that. And at the end of the day, now I'm in a position where I can serve my way to success. But what was really crazy about that whole situation was we were homeless and we made this decision the first month in business, we overwhelmed my clientele. So I was only expecting about 30 clients, 30 to 35 clients. I hired a design team. I had an office and a sales team and all of this stuff I had built in and my idea to launch. Within our first month, we brought on a hundred clients. Now, some would say that's a good problem to have. Well, when you have a design team who has to now mash out all of these designs three times the amount that they expected, and now they just cookie cuttered it to where I have all these clients that are asking for refunds. They're like, what is this that you're delivering this? This is, this is whack. And I was like, that is whack. It was very whack. So I hired my design team on month one. By month two, like I almost went under our second month. And it scared me to a point where I was like, I'm not going to do that again. I'm not going to put myself in a position where I take on more than I can chew. So when Facebook named me one of the best, all I did was I screenshotted it, I saved it as content, and I never replied to Facebook. And I've been using just the leverage of, hey, I was named one of the best by Facebook, but I never gave them any of my content. I didn't want them to promote me to their million advertisers as they're one of the best people and saying, this is the guy you got to go to for your stuff, when I didn't have the ability to be able to serve them. And so it was little things like that along the way that I think has been very interesting um, that I've been holding back some of these things. But at the end of the day, serving your way to success has been where I've, I've had my best results. That is, that's a really crazy wow. story. The fact that like it just all manifested like that. But what I heard in that story, I don't know about you, Lisa, but homeless challenges, but you didn't give up. And I think that a lot of entrepreneurs out there face those challenges and that adversity and some of them give up on their dream, right? What advice would you have for those folks that are just out there trying to get through the grind every day, Manny, and they're just, they feel a little hopeless. They might be a little homeless. They might be in somebody's garage. Like what words do you have to say to them to encourage them that anything can change? What, what, do, you, what do you have for them? The biggest thing that I've seen when I'm working with people from day one is they have to identify what they are good at. First thing they got to identify, what are you good at doing that other people can utilize and benefit from? Because every single one of us, we all have a genius inside of us. You watching right now, you have a genius inside of you. You may have not discovered it yet. You may have been told that you're only worth X, Y, Z because of somebody else's opinion about you. But just like Les Brown says, don't let someone else's opinion of you affect your reality. So in the sense of understanding what is good about you, there is somebody who needs your skill. There is a lot of people that need your skills. Think about this, right? You may love spreadsheets or you may hate spreadsheets, right? You're in one of those two categories, right? Yeah. At the end of the day, if you love spreadsheets, right, there's going to be somebody that hates them that you could benefit and benefit them and do something you love to do and they will pay you a lot to do it because they don't want to do it, right? There's things where you're just thinking it's a hobby. You're just thinking, oh man, this is something I just love to do. It's fun, my drawing or whatever it may be. And you go show it to somebody and they're just jaw drops because they're like, the genius that you have just shown me. And you're over here <laughs> like, oh, I do this every Tuesday. Like, you know, you have to understand you have something you're really good at. Then you got to understand a market that can recognize that. Who can recognize your skills? And then you got to find a mentor. Right. Don't do all of this in a sense um, and try to take action without somebody guiding you. That's one of the biggest things that I've noticed is that if you go by yourself, it's like going blindfold. Right. You want to go blindfold walking across uh, a freeway. You've never been doing that. You're going to be blind. You can't even see what's coming your way. You can't protect yourself. You're just you're going to get ran over. Right. But if you have somebody who's already been across. Right. Somebody who's mastered the Frogger game right? Can take you say, Hey, that car is coming at this speed. You need to make sure you got to go this way, this fast, this way, this move this way. They can tell you from experience the route you need to go. 
See, Gail, when I worked with Gail, he had never opened his own business, right? He is, at the same time of him managing uh, at a company, he was also a pastor, right? So a lot of what I got to learn was a faith-based structure of building a business, of serving my way to success, solving problems, helping people whether or not they could help me, right? Because again, if I get help them, it's going to trickle down to more benefits at some point in my lifetime. I may get it in this life. I may get it in the next. I may get it next generation down the road. My grandchild may benefit from somebody I helped today. You don't know, but when you only look at the selfish goals of tomorrow or today, or why is this guy next to me succeeding and I'm not, why does he look like he's gotten everything together and he's not? Well, I guarantee you, go sit down with that guy, he'll end up crying his eyes out why he's freaking struggling in chaos and he's almost suicidal. When on social media, everything looks great, right? I see so much from the inside that to me, everything on the outside is superficial. Right. So many times we get lost looking at other people, comparing our lives to others. When all you're seeing are the highlights, you're yes. seeing the best of the best of the most perfect image after they took 20. I mean, think about it. The videos I upload. Right. Sometimes it's multiple takes. The pictures my wife's uploads or what I see my kids upload or all the stuff. They're redoing it, editing it, changing it, filtering it. Putting, I'm like. Just to think how much effort we put into making ourselves the way we look online. Just imagine the reality of what it really is. You sit down with these people and, and they're just as lost as we are. The millionaires and billionaires are just as lost as we are. They just figured out how to monetize their skill at what they're good at. They found their genius and took it into a process and was able to monetize it. But they're still struggling. They're still lost. They still don't know what they're going to do next week, next month, or next year. Yeah. So that's a good point. Got to look at everybody being in those same positions. And if you can understand that and realize, have a mentality of being too blessed to be stressed, this is one of the things that people think is just the same. It is literally a reminder to me every single day. I have a phone that I can turn on. I have the ability to talk to people around the world instantaneously. I am looking over a view where I don't have to go kill for my own food. I don't have to go, I can go turn on a faucet and it can be hot or it can be cold, whatever I decide. I can go, I'm, I have electricity, I have food. Like the things that we have as first world benefits and we're over here crying, oh my God, I only have 14 likes on my Instagram post. Oh, my life is over. I mean, come on, really. Oh my God, I only have $200 in the bank. Oh my God, you know how many people would love to just be at zero? I mean, just to be at zero, not to be negative, and you're crying because, oh, my God, I, I don't know how I'm going to pay my, my cable bill this month. You know, you have cable? <laughs> like, people don't realize how blessed they truly are until they realize what others truly don't have. Yeah. I think if people realize that, total mindset shift. I, I agree. I was actually going to ask you because I know that famous, too blessed to be stressed. I love it. And we're always talking about mindset, right, Lisa? We're always asking. So for you, Manny, how do you maintain a positive mindset? And then the second piece, what do you guys do to maintain bliss and joy in your life so that you, you stay connected with that attitude of gratitude and, and you're not just constantly stressed out about stuff, but how do you guys do that? How do you keep a good mindset? And what do you guys do for fun? Like, how do you maintain bliss as a family? Oh man, family time is, is everything for me, man. I, I love family time. Uh, I work from home I, on purpose. I don't have an office. I mean, we're gonna have an office soon because my wife wants to open up her cafe and I want to be able to have a place where people can come eat and stuff like that. But I love the environment I've been able to create for myself. It's something where I get to do what I want. I don't have to adhere to somebody else's guidelines besides the wife, you know, she's the boss, but, um, I'm okay with that. Right. Uh, to stay in that bliss moment is to understand that everything truly does happen for a reason. Right. I literally, I mean, I've had crazy stuff like I've been sued, right? And I'm sitting here like, there's gotta be something good that's gonna happen out of this. Like, I'm gonna learn something that's really, I mean, I literally have things where I will go through them in complete chaos with a smile, knowing that this is gonna help me in five years. I'm gonna learn something so good right now that it is gonna put me in the best, I mean, I have this weird mentality that something bad is happening because something good is gonna happen, right? It's so but, awesome, yeah. yeah. 
Hey, I don't know. It works for me. And sometimes I drive my wife nuts because she's like, how can you not be mad right now? How can you not be? I'm like, dude, God's got this, bro. Don't worry about it. It's good. We're good. Like, you know, I, maybe that it just comes down to fate, right? If you kind of have this knowing that there's always somebody looking out for you and there's going to be something good that comes out of it. There's a purpose for everything with every tragedy, with every chaos. There's something that it was supposed to do it for, right? So even if we have a lost loved one, right? There's a purpose behind that. It's going to bring you closer to another relationship that you didn't have. It's going to bring uh, insight to a story and you can now empower somebody else. You can now give one sentence to somebody that stops them from cutting themselves at night. There's something you can do where that tragedy you can take and learn from and absorb and say, look, we can take this to help other people. We can take this to take away their pain. We can take this to make it clear to them what and why this has happened to them, right? Because if, if you can see an experience that you've gone through and it may be hurting you, but at the end of it, a couple years down the road, you're, you're in a positive mindset in some capacity Somebody's going to have that same situation. They're depressed. They're lost. They don't know what to do. They're like, how are you even functioning right now? I have a friend. She lost her child, three-year-old, three to five-year-old, somewhere in that range, very, very young. He drowned in a, um, those like banks that, that, you know, I forget what they're called, but that, that doesn't have anything to do with it. What, has something to do with it is the way that she empowers people today with what she's gone through. She now utilizes that to be able to share her story to empower others, to find other mothers who have been in those same situations. And now she can give them guidance on how to bring joy back to their life. Because how do you bring joy when you've lost your child? That's the one thing a mother never, ever wishes could ever possibly happen, even to her worst enemy. And yet, how can somebody still find joy in their life from a tragedy from there? Well, you talk to Melissa Hole Gallimore about that, and she'll tell you how she's been able to find joy, how she uses her story to empower others, how it's now become a beacon of hope to other people versus a story of tragedy. You know, Melissa, I think I've seen her show once. Yeah. I that. Wow. Yeah, she's a really impressive person. That's pretty cool. You know, there's this saying out there, it says, um, you know, choose to believe that things are happening for you and not to you. And I mean, I think that just sums up everything that you're talking about. Say that again. Tony, right there. My little finger. It's me and <laughs> yeah. Is he the one who said that? Yeah. <laughs> He's, yeah, he said a lot of uh, amazing, like expectations are the thief of joy. That's one of my favorite Tony quotes, but um so I have to ask, you know, you going back to what you originally said a couple of minutes ago about find that thing that you're good at. Mm -hmm. um, I love that you said that because I do wholeheartedly believe that we are all put on this earth with a purpose. And when we are living in joy and when we are happy and living in our bliss, I believe it's because we are fulfilling that purpose that God has for us on this planet, the purpose that he has for us to serve. Um, and when we're in contrast to that, that's when you, you know, hate going to your job or you hate, you know, the relationship that you're in or fill in the blank, whatever it may be. Um, and so I, I love that you said that. I just wanted to circle back to that. And so for people out there who are craving that bliss, craving that alignment with their purpose, um, and want to do that through serving, I want to ask, what was the biggest pivot point for you? Like, what was the, the thing that once you finally did this, your business took off or your perspective changed or whatever it may be that you finally started experiencing success? All right, get your notes ready because we're about to learn some really awesome stuff. Okay, so what I have found is when you're in business, most people are going to think this is crazy, but this model has been a game changer for me and for the people I've shared it with. I, I tested this theory when I worked with Les Brown. It was the only way I could learn and implement on a large scale where I could show numbers very quickly 
on how this works because with everybody else I typically work with, they're starting from scratch. They're like, man, I don't know how to make money on Facebook. I don't know how to generate leads. I don't even know how to go live right. I have people that couldn't even spell that I'm working with and I'm trying to get them results. And of course that can be very difficult starting from day one. But when you get somebody you can implement a strategy on that already has the social proof behind it, it makes it very simple to show the numbers. And this is concept of serving your way to success. Now, you guys have all, um, you guys probably heard of this book, uh, The Five Love Languages, right? Mm-hmm. Gary Chapman, if you guys haven't heard of it, go get it on Amazon. Awesome book. They've got it for everything. Five Love Languages for Men, Five Love Languages for Women, for Kids, for Teens. It's, it's amazing. But I read a book a couple of years ago. Um, Funny thing with my marriage, I've been with my wife since high school. And for the first half of our marriage, I was completely lost, right? I was the typical guy um, where, you know, my wife, I'm, if you understand the five languages, there's five ways that people love. There's physical touch, there's words of affirmation, there's gifts, there's quality time. And then last one, last one, right now, right now. Oh gosh, I wasn't love. Wait, which ones did you say? Yeah, service. That's my love language. Perfect. Service. So what I had realized is that my love languages was physical touch, words of affirmation. My wife comes to me, smacks me on the butt, calls me sexy, boom, game over. I'm done. It's the highlight of my day, right? But then I would turn around and try to do the same to her. I'd smack her butt, call her sexy. She just called me a pervert. And I was like, I don't understand. This isn't making any sense. And so I was explaining this to my mentor one day and he goes, read the five love languages. And I was like, why? He was like, just read it. It's going to change your life. And I read the book and I was like, it makes sense. Hers is quality time and acts of service. If I did that, if I focused on that, that's what's going to be a game changer, right? And in business, it's the very same way. We are speaking our own love language to our prospects. We're not speaking the love language that they may be reciprocating with. So we may be only talking one way to our prospects that gets them to take action. So I discovered there's actually five love languages to business. Write these down. And it's actually a formula. B-R-A-S-C. I call it the BRASC formula because that's how I can spell it and pronounce it. makes it easy to remember. B-R-A-S-C. So if you want to write them vertically like this. I'm taking notes on my phone. Very <laughs> Well, you're like, where? I'm putting it in my, 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 uh, my computer. Like, why is that going to show me? Go over here. Brask formula, right? The B stands for blueprint. So we're going to write these all down. I'll tell you what each of these stand for, and what, how you actually speak these languages. Blueprint for B, R is relationship. A is automation. S is serving, and C is content, all right? So blueprint, how do you speak the blueprint language? This is the idea of giving away your do-it-yourself version for free, all right? People need to understand you are the expert in this area. We are in the age of instant gratification. There is no longer the ability to start your network selling a subscription, right? Selling, hey, get access to my video courses and my on-demand stuff and pay me X amount per month. Netflix is struggling to keep their subscribers, and they're like 15 bucks a month on every freaking movie you can watch, right? Entertainment value up the wazoo. But yet, we want to think that someone's going to pay 50 bucks a month or 100 bucks a month to our videos on demand. If you speak the blueprint language, give all of your video courses away for free right? Your do-it-yourself, self-stuff, give it away for free. And here's the reason why. 97% of the people you give it away for free to are taking zero action. They're not taking no action without you. They just see you as the expert, all right? So by you doing that, you're literally creating 97 out of 100 prospects that are now seeing you as the expert, and they're going to come to you for that advice. Those three that are taking action without you, they would have never been your customer anyway, right? They're the go-getters that aren't going to hire the experts. They just want the information to go do it themselves. So let them do it themselves. And they're probably going to fail anyway because they're not getting your coaching. So at the end of the day, get your blueprints uh, by all your video content, transparent as you possibly can be. 
as if you're speaking the blueprint language to say, look, this is exactly how you do it. This is what you need to know step by step by step. Okay. So that's the first language. The second one is relationships. This is where you just simplify it in one sentence, capture the leaders, capture the market. If you want to work with a specific industry, you want to have influence within a specific industry, right? If like my case, I do business with speakers, coaches, authors, and consultants. So I go and find who do speakers, coaches, authors, and consultants listen to, right? Who are their influencers? Who are the books that they're buying, right? So I made a list. Les Brown, Ty Lopez, Grant Cardone, Tony Robbins, all of these people, Gary Vee, and check, 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 that I'm going to be building relationships with those people. Because if I can get those people to validate my business, you're paying attention to me. And this literally worked with Les Brown. When I brought him on as a client, all of a sudden I'm getting calls from people saying, hey, you built Les Brown's app? Okay, whatever he got, I want that for mine. Like, they just, it's simple, right? So go build relationships with people who are already influential to the market you want to reach. That's the relationship uh, language. Because all you have to do is start showing, hey, look, you know, Here's a testimonial from Les Brown. Here's Caleb Maddox speaking in my event. Here's the founder of the Make-A-Wish Foundation interviewed on my show. Like the people they know, they collaborate with, that they're influencing with, they're gonna come to you. Gravitates, very easy. Automation. This is a language that you should not be introducing yourself to people. By the time they meet you, or they inbox you, or there's some type of one-on-one -on -one interaction, you want to have as much of your story in automation right automation is simply the idea that you are giving your value your education your resources without you having to be in the room right and the best way that I do that is simple videos on YouTube I made a rule in my business you guys should probably do this as well here's what I did if I get asked the same question three times right could be something like hey Manny how do you promote on Facebook Hey, Manny how do you set up an Instagram account hey Manny how do you set up a business TikTok account right the same if I get the same question three times, by the fourth time, I'm gonna have a how-to video I created on my phone with it, with the what, why, how method. Here's what that is. What the question is, why is that question important, how would I answer that question if you were already my client? That video should be no longer than five to 10 minutes long. If it's any longer than that, you're just rambling, way rambling, especially if you get to that 10 minute mark, right? Five minutes should be ideal where you can say, look, I get asked this question a lot. They ask me, Manny, how do you promote your business on Facebook without ads, right? Why is that important? Well, not every single business out there knows how to set up ads, right? And most of them are just throwing their money away when they do. They're just getting a bunch of clicks. That doesn't result in phone calls. We get that. We want to turn these people into paying customers. So how do you do that? And I would answer, right? Bam, what, why, how? Right? Follow that method and you guys can get massive results with automation. Just literally make that a rule. You could ask the same question three times by the fourth time, make a video, put it as how to fill in the blank or whatever the question was, put it on YouTube, make a playlist out of them, right? That's one of the things I do with the content. I'll show you guys how to do that stuff. Serving, understanding the serving concept. I, this is a big thing because some people always ask, Manny, why do you support serve? You know, serving may seem like you're, you're like a butler, you know, you're just serving people, you're not making money. And I'm like, mm. Let me show you, let me show you. Here's according to the National Sales Executive Association. Rewind that if you need to, my friends, write that down. National Sales Executive Association showed that the sales process, let me show you how this works. Let me say you got 100 people. All 100 people are gonna do business with you, right? They're in your room, in your room, that'd be weird. In your conference room or whatever, right? 100 people and they're all gonna sign up. You've got a crystal ball in front of you and boom, every single one of these people are gonna become customers of you. But this is the very first contact. They're meeting you for the very first time. You know what the numbers are? If you try to sell all of them, two would sign up. Two, two would sign up on the first contact. Let's say you did that. You went and tried to sell them all and those two people signed up and then you're like, you know what? I'm gonna reach them out to again because if I just reach out to them again, they're gonna sign up, right? You did your second contact to the rest of the 98. Guess how many signed up from there? Three. Three signed up. The second contact. By the third contact, okay, you're going to go, like, all right, let me reach out to them again. I'm going to set up a one-on-one -on -one meeting and, and start closing some deals. Five more signed up. 
Now, most businesses are happy with those results because that's where 90% of entrepreneurs are staying, right there in those three contacts where the 10% of sales are happening, right? I like the serving concept, you know why? Because 80% of your sales are five to 12 contacts in, okay? Five to 12 contacts. And if that's the case, why are we trying to sell them? Why aren't we just going after the 80% of business versus the 10? I'd rather go after the 80. So I focus on serving. When people meet me for the first time, I got all kinds of free stuff I give. Blueprints, strategies, free tickets to my events, go promote yourself on my platform, go get access to my intellectual property, go check out my Rolodex of experts. I mean, massive value. And I literally, if you go into my platform, check this out. If you go into my platform, I literally have a section in there called gifts. And I number these gifts. And guess how many I have? Can you take a guess? 150. Oh man, that's way too many. No, no, no. <laughs> Five to 12 contacts in. So if we want to have at least 12 contacts of value, knowing that we need to bring value at least 12 times, 12 gifts. Boom, they're literally numbered. And then I got some bonuses in there that make it up to 20. But 12 gifts that literally just, boom, bring it right into value to say, look, here's value, value, value. So by the time you get to me, you know my story, you've watched my videos, you've gone through a few blueprints, you already see me as a super expert and now we're just talking about collaborating. Right? It's a lot easier versus getting on the call and like, hi, my name is Manny. Yes, Manny Lopez. No, 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 not Ty Lopez. We're not related. No. Yes. Yeah, the guy, you know, uh, I, I do Facebook marketing stuff. Like, no, nobody wants to do that. Come on. That's boring. So serve your way to success, my friends, and then automate the serving. So this way, by the time they get to you, they're ready for business. And then content. Okay. What do I mean by content? You got to have your content organized on-demand, searchable. Very, very important. Organized, on-demand, and searchable, right? Simply, the easiest way to do that is to just set up like a YouTube channel, right? And then set up playlists for all the different topics that you want to talk about, right? It's so important to have content out there that targets your demographic. Speak to your audience, right? Content is very important, not to just create, but to be very specific in who it's actually benefiting. So for me, my content is always geared toward entrepreneurs that do business with entrepreneurs, mainly speakers, coaches, authors, and consultants. So when you see me posting content out there, it's gonna be geared towards serving them, not serving me. It's not about you, it's about them, because that's how they're gonna follow you, right? That's how they're gonna do business with you. It's gonna learn about you and just, Follow these blueprints right here, the blueprint relation, automation, serving, and content. And now you're speaking five different love languages to business that's going to attract your audience. That Boom. is awesome. That was awesome. I couldn't help it, Manny. I had to go live for that one because I know what that speech is, right? So for those of you that don't know, I hired Manny back in April. He is one of my business mentors, and I learned that entire system, and I've done it. And my conversion rate went to 60% because I've listened to this guy right here. So I can't talk about him or brag him about him, about him enough. Like I just, I totally bought into it. Serving does it and it feels more authentic. It's not like you're trying to actually sell shit. You're just being you and having a conversation and actually helping people. And I, I fell in love with it and I just, I can't stop doing it. That's why I do free Facebook groups, all kinds of free stuff. And I'm building relationships with people that last and then helping them. And it's, it just, it just feels good. So yes. If anybody wanted to find you, Manny, what do, they, what do they do? How do they find you? How do they, how do they get you into their world, into their life? I'm one of those crazy influencers that gives out a cell phone number. So uh, if that's okay with you, I'm totally cool with that. Uh, I have this 24-7 text line where people can ask any question they want. They can, you know, and it goes personally to me. It's not going to some, some people managing it. There's two cell phone numbers I have. One is my personal that goes to family and friends, and the one is for business but I just keep open for a 24 seven hotline. So you guys can call it, it's gonna ring to me, I most likely will not answer, but uh, you can call it all day. Uh, you text it, I'm definitely going to answer personally within, most likely within uh, 24 hours or less. Uh, but here's the number, okay? And if you're outside of the US, just put a plus one so you have the area, uh, but it's 714-369-8522. So 714-369-8528. Uh, 
Uh, if you guys want to go to my platform, it's just imanifest.com. Uh, it's free to the world. So there's no, nothing you can buy on there, but some t-shirts that go to Bibles. So at the end of the day, I, I don't really make anything on that platform. It's, it's the gift I give to the world. You know, when I had this conversation with God in 2017 that said, Manny, stop selling your way to success, start serving your way to success. I had to go about finding a way to fix this foster care system. And this is what this platform is all doing. Right, I created Network of Influence so people like Jennifer Conkey can come in here and be able to join us in teaching these kids how to serve their way to success. Right, Bringing in Les Brown and Caleb Maddox and Grant Cardone and all these big names that are helping us build this idea of taking these kids from the foster care system that are dead homeless or in jail to having them have a mentor, understand entrepreneurship, own their own business with a focus on faith. That's what we're trying to create, and that's what this whole ecosystem does. So go to imanifest.com. You'll see the whole 30,000-foot view, right? You see all the education there. It's on demand. You can sign up for Manny Bucks and start earning Manny Bucks. I mean, I'm literally giving away billions of dollars in Manny Bucks. I'm probably the only one who's going to have a cryptocurrency where he owns none of it and just gives it all away. So um, it's a very – well, it's not a cryptocurrency yet. It's a token right now. I've got to be very clear. It's a token – it's completely worthless today. It's like a monopoly money, right? But I've got all of these brands, over a hundred brands that have already signed up to say, I'll accept Manny Bucks. I'll exchange my services in Manny Bucks. I'll serve these kids with me. I'm like, man, this thing is taking off. And the funny thing is, if you understand currency today, money, what money really is, it's an exchange of value. And the value is based on, will that other person exchange with you, right? So in essence, I'm creating a currency. The longer, the more people start accepting it, it's going to become a currency by itself, just an essence of its own definition. But right now it's a fun little token that my students can earn. And we've got all kinds of experts we can exchange those Manny bucks for so they can actually earn the services versus my clients donating the services. Cause again, we know 97% don't take any action. So if they can earn it, they'll show up for it. So if, I wish we had some more time to talk about the whole Manny ecosystem and the Manny bucks and how that all kind of ties into from orphan to CEO, but it's going to be a game changer. In the next five years, the world is going to know what we're doing and, and there's going to be a lot of changes coming. So it's exciting to see uh, from the ground floor, how this is all building. Yeah, Manny, I'm pretty sure we're going to have you back on the show. Yeah, You've added say, a lot of content. Sequel. Yeah, totally helped. Our audience is going to love this show and we really appreciate all the value that you brought. We will definitely be asking you if you would love to come back. We would love to have you. Um, so again, you. for Manny, it's 714-369-8528. Or yes. you can go to imanifest.com. All right. And Manny, it's been so awesome having you on the awesome. show. Thank you. Thank you, Manny. Have a great right. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Bye.